The scripture reading for today is uh, 1 John chapter 4, and we are going to pick up with the 13th verse as we continue in our series, Children of the Living God. First John 4, verse 13, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit and we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. And he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's bow together. Lord, once again, will you help us to focus upon your word? You have preserved this for us. The circumstances of today are not a surprise or shock to you. And thank you that we can have this time together around this precious passage Illumine our hearts, will you? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we have gone through uh, this book of 1 John, we have seen over and over uh, a focus upon uh, God's love, his love for us, love that we cannot even imagine and how because of that love then we love him back but not only that we must have love for one another because of his love but in our passage today uh, John brings up a subject that has not yet been mentioned in this 
particular book, and that is the Day of Judgment. It speaks of judgment. So why in the context of all the talk about love would he bring up that subject? If John is interested in true believers uh, knowing and being assured of their, their faith and having joy in their faith and responding to God's love and, and so on, and, and then knowing that, uh, that we, we are well before him if we are in Christ, why bring up a subject like Judgment Day? Well, that's precisely why. Because of his desire to give tests for believers to know if they really are in Christ. To give tests for those who aren't believers so that they no longer can can fool themselves into thinking that they're okay with God. John is suggesting that a great way to test where you are in relationship with God is to contemplate yourself on the day of judgment. Now, a lot of people don't even like to think about that. But John is is pulling this in. He's given other tests. He's given moral tests. He's given doctrinal tests. He's given the tests of love. And now he's saying, what will that day be like for you? The Bible indicates that Jesus will come back and he will judge the living and the dead. Believers and unbelievers from all time will be judged at that time. That's what will take place on the day of judgment. So how does that fit with joy for the believer? Well, where where we can begin is to understand that the men and women who are the happiest to be in this world are those who are most happy about the next. Those who who are uh, content uh, with this world tend to be those who are content with what will take place in the next life. And those who don't know what will take place or are fearful of it can have a life, this life, tainted by fear and dread. Now, before we talk about the Day of Judgment and uh, about fear... Uh, we need to cope with a term that was uh, used at the end of the passage that we looked at last week and uh, is in the passage that uh, I just read to you. And that phrase is perfect love, love perfected in us. So what, what does that mean? What is this perfect love? Well, verse 12 last week, he ended with talking about God's love being perfected. And then John uses that phrase again in in verse uh, 17, again in verse 18. Verse 17, he says, uh, 
by, uh, by this is love perfected in us. By what? What is the this? By this is love perfected in us. How is his love perfected in us? What's the this? Well, you look back at the previous verse. Look back at the end of verse 12. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. And then he goes on in verse 13. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. His love perfected is a result of Christ abiding in us. The, the idea of abiding is evidenced uh, by the work of the Holy Spirit in us and by love that we have for one another. Those are evidences that he has, he has recently in this book mentioned. Verse 14 then. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So confessing who Jesus is, really believing and trusting in uh, that to be the truth. Not just saying it, not just saying, yeah, Jesus is... is is, uh, you know, is God. He was a really good example and, and a really good teacher and uh, even the Savior. But there's something deeper than that, and that is trusting. Saying not just that he's a God, but he's my God, my Savior. You see, that brings us then into the realm of being a child of, of God. Verse 16, so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So that's where, where we begin with trusting in Christ alone for eternal life. But I, I want to caution us here, because it should not be coming to Christ out of a fear but out of knowing his great love for us. We're going to talk about fear in a moment. But that should not be what causes us to say, yeah, I, I better trust because, because of a fear I have. When I was in college and seminary, uh, Connie and I worked with uh, youth during that time for, for those years. Now, this dates me big time, but one of the things that we used to uh, do with our youth group was we took them to events that were put out by Youth for Christ. And that's what dates me. I don't, I don't hear about that anymore. I'm, I'm guessing, uh, I don't know if they're around or not. But uh, what they were doing back during that time is they would have these big rallies and I would take, uh, we'd take the youth group and uh, there'd be hundreds of kids uh, at these events. And one of the things that they loved to do was to show movies about the end times. And those movies were so scary that between the movie itself and the long invitation after the movie, um, a, a lot of those who attended the rally 
uh, were just in fear because uh, it wasn't talking about the glorious things of his coming, but more about his judgment and, and portraying a God who is angry. Um, it, it, eventually, after a few of those times, uh, uh, we, we quit taking the kids to it because I would end up having to, <laughs> to counsel with the kids, ones that I, I knew were believers, but their, their whole assurance had been shaken and, and, and so on, and it was out of fear. That's not what should drive us to Christ, but rather the reason we stopped going is I wanted them to be drawn to Christ out of the deep love that God has for us. So when, when Christ abides in us, we begin to grasp how loving God is, and, and, and that's the context of what John wants to say about the day of judgment and about fear. Uh, so let's look at what is the place of fear. Uh, and, the, and really, this is application of this, this passage. Um, we need to understand that the, the kind of fear John is speaking about here, uh, because sometimes we talk about fear as being a reverence for God. And that is a proper kind of fear. But there's another kind of fear, and that, I am convinced, is what he's talking uh, about here. This is not the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's proper. That's motivated by love. The fear he's talking about here is, is from the word phobos. Uh, and you can think of words that would come from that. And what it is, is it's a tormenting dread. That's the kind of fear that uh, he's using here. We can tell that by the context. Now, that word can be used for reverence, but the context dictates that he's talking about uh, a terror and, and that dread kind of fear. And that's contrary to love. I came across an article uh, about things people fear, uh, like plane crashes and, and that kind of thing. Uh, and I found it interesting because it says, for instance, are you afraid to fly? It says you have a .00001% chance of dying in an airplane crash. Um, then it, it talks about other, other things like are you afraid of heights? And that's a, a big fear of a lot of people that they'll They'll be injured by falling or jumping or being pushed uh, from a high place. Um, the, the chances of that are 1 in 65,092. Um, chances of having your identity stolen are 1 in 200. Uh, and the fear of uh, being killed by lightning, uh, 1 in 2.3 million um, some people going into the ocean have a fear uh, of sharks and the article, this is a secular article, uh, mind you, said uh, you're more likely to be killed by your spouse in terms of the, uh, the percentages there. 
So I, I only share those with you because I, I found it interesting because these are things that probably a lot of us have have felt fear, not the spouse thing, uh, but some of these other things that we, we have felt fear over and and the chances of those being something that will, would ever happen to us are are so slim. But here's the fact. All of us will face judgment. Not not one in a thousand, not, not one in a hundred, not one in ten. All of us. Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed for man to die once. After that comes judgment. So we know that all of us will die unless Jesus comes back first. So if that's the case, if all of us are going to face it, should it be a fear for all of us? Well, two things we need to know about that kind of fear. First of all, that fear of the day of judgment is fitting for the one who is without Christ. It's appropriate for the one who is without Christ. We see what it talks about in verse 17 and 18. Verse 18 talks about that day of judgment and what it will be like for the unbeliever. For fear has to do with punishment. Whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Remember we talked about the being perfected in love is, is Christ's love in us. So, yes, there should be that dread, that, that terror. The one without Christ is facing the day of judgment all by himself. That should bring terror. And if it doesn't, if you're not trusting in Christ for your eternal life, but, but you have no fear of the day of judgment, you might not be afraid because you don't believe there is a judgment day. Because you're willfully rejecting that there will be a judgment day. You need to know that, that choosing not to believe in something doesn't alter whether it's true or not. You may be in denial by choosing not to think about it. Or maybe you just weren't even aware of it, that all of us will face a judgment day. In my previous church, uh, I was watching my son, Benji, when he was uh, small. He now has uh, three children of his own. And I got his permission to share this because it's actually not a bad Benji story. It's a bad dad story. So I uh, have freedom uh, to share this. Uh, it was during the day, during the week, and I needed to watch him at the church. I was in my office. My office was right off the sanctuary. It had a door that went into uh, the sanctuary. And uh, uh, I'm trying to get some work done. He's uh, trying to be good and play. And, 
he, uh, he said, uh, Dad, can I play with your keys? And I said, sure, play with my keys. And then he said, well, can I go in the sanctuary? And I said, yeah, uh, you can go in the sanctuary. Uh, just don't go up in the balcony. And I was kind of proud of myself for being a, a good enough dad to think, don't go up in, in the balcony, and, uh, and so on. Well, a few minutes later, he, he came to the door, my door again, kind of timid, and, and he showed me his, his finger. He said, do you think this will come off? And on his fingernail was uh, black soot. And I said, Benji, what happened? I looked at it, and, and his finger was okay, and so on. And I said, what happened? And he took me in the sanctuary, and as uh, uh, we were walking, I remembered that a few minutes, I didn't think anything of it at the time, but a few minutes before, uh, the lights in the church had flickered. And he took me to where my keys were, and they were sticking in an electrical socket. Now, he was okay. That's the only reason I tell you this story, because he was okay. Uh, I, I was concerned what, what Connie's reaction would be, and so we worked on a, a good story and so on. But she, she, knows, the, she knows the actual story and, uh, and so on, and we're okay because he was okay. Here, here's the point. The fact that he didn't understand electricity, the fact that, that he didn't know there was danger, didn't make it any less dangerous for him. It was just as dangerous. And the fact that I knew the danger but didn't act on that danger accordingly did not diminish the danger of the electricity. Here's the problem with being ignorant about the dangers of judgment day for the unbeliever. Ignorance doesn't diminish the potential for danger. So if we're saying that, that fear is fitting for the one without Christ, what about the believer? But what about the one who is a, a child of God and yes, what we need to know is fear is not fitting for the child of God. Verse 17, the first part of verse 18. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Confidence. That's not fear. Confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is, verse 18, no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Now again, the fear it's talking about here is that, that dread of the day of judgment. Here's how John reasons with that for the believer. You, believer, live in God and God in you. He abides in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. 
That's how God's love is made complete or perfect. Therefore, you, believer, you, child of God, you can have confidence on the day of judgment. Therefore, you don't need to fear because fear has to do with punishment. And Jesus took all of the punishment that you deserve so that you will not be punished on the day of judgment. That's what John is saying. What if I'm a believer and I still have fear? That can happen. What do we do? Well, there's several possibilities. One is you might have fear because of wrong teaching from the past or a wrong understanding. Remember the films I was talking about earlier, those movies that put fear in people? Or if you've been taught that? Or if you still think it's about how, how good you are rather than what Christ has done. Or you may have fear because you don't yet understand the depth of God's love and how big his grace is toward you. Or you really may not have yet a relationship with Christ. So how do we get rid of that fear? Understand and focus on what Christ has done for us. And believe this and trust it. That he came and he lived a perfect life. He never sinned. And so when he went to the cross to die, it was not for his sin It was for the sin of his people. And then he rose. He walked out of the grave. And now he lives for us forever. He is at the right hand of the Father. He is interceding for us. And that's why we, as children of God, have confidence, not in us, but in him. You who don't yet have a relationship with Christ. Believing those things is the only way to appropriately deal with a fear or dread of encountering the living God. And child of the living God, because of what Jesus has done, fear is not fitting for you. The perfect love of Jesus casts out fear. Let's pray. Lord, will you, will you help us like John wanted us to do, to evaluate where we are with all of this? And, and if we're not yet in Christ, to, 
to cope with that and to believe and trust in those things. And if we are in Christ, but we still grapple with fear and lack of confidence, will you, by, by the indwelling Holy Spirit in us, give us that comfort and confidence that, that our love is not perfect, but his love is perfect that is in us. We ask for this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.